When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi everyone, I'm Deb Flaschenberg and I'm your host for Yoga Birth Babies. And today we're doing something a little different. We're going to do birth stories. And I thought we'd start a series on birth stories from people from our community. So I think the whole way this came up was that Bridget, who we'll be speaking to in a moment, was telling me about her birth story. And fortunately, she's an avid listener and supporter of Prenatal Yoga Center. And we talked about the importance of birth stories. And I asked her, would you share your birth story with our community? And she said, absolutely. So let me tell you a little bit about Bridget before we welcome her to the show. Bridget Tashar is a first-time mom to six-month-old son, Teddy. She holds a master's degree in communication and currently works part-time from home as the director of a nonprofit charity she created five years ago. Previous to the birth of her son, she worked as a retail manager and played women's beach volleyball competitively. She's a vegetarian and enjoys running daily while listening to podcasts and audiobooks. Bridget lives on the Upper West Side of Manhattan with her husband, Joe. Hi, Bridget. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm so glad. So where's Teddy? Is he hanging out around there? He is literally right next to me. So if we hear any musical lullabies <laughs> going or banging of toys, it's not me, it's him. Well, I think that kind of, uh, tell him to go for it. Since I told you before okay. we started recording, we're currently doing my basement. So there's going to be some banging along here. So the Got more it. sound, the merrier. I'm sure our sound engineer, Eddie's going to love that. So. <laughs> So before we get into your birth story, which I'm super excited to share, I would love just to, for you to explain why you think it's important to share birth stories and how it affected you prior to giving birth. Sure. Well, I'm really excited to share my story in particular because I had a great birth. And leading up to my due date and then birth, I felt like most stories that I heard were horror stories. And that's what people love to talk about, love to share, and even loved to then make the norm. And that was not the case for me. I wasn't necessarily afraid when I went into labor, but those stories are the ones that stuck with me versus having this idea of how things could potentially go very smoothly. So that's really why I'm excited to share my story because it was long, but it was great. Were there any places that you felt like you did hear positive birth stories? I know in class we talked about like Ina Mae Gaskin's books have those. Did you find any that you could hold on to that were positive? Yeah, there were a couple actually. I would go to prenatal yoga five, maybe six days a week. And a lot of the instructors would share, if not their own stories, stories of 
friends. One instructor in particular as a doula was explaining this birth that she had because she missed the class the previous week. And it went so smoothly that I wanted to hang on to that. And because of it, I kept harping back to it myself to say, she's seen so many births and here she is sharing this one particular one because it was so wonderful. That must be something to remember. I'm glad you did. And for those um, that are new or just listening, um, let me just say one little thing about Bridget is that prior to stepping foot at prenatal yoga center. Um, and she came in <laughs> basically like, I'm not a yoga person. I'm a runner. So I met Bridget at that letter where she used to be the manager. Uh, and we chatted and she's like, I'm not a yoga person. So the fact that she started to come five or six <laughs> days a week, and I kind of used to joke, I'm like, just take the keys, you know, help yourself in. And now yeah. she's a, a big yoga person supporter and believer in supporting other women through, you know, support of positive birth stories. I am just so thrilled about that. Yeah. Yeah, I've done a complete 180, but I think that's because I didn't know what to expect from yoga, and you don't know what you don't know, mm-hmm. and so having gone to PYC, I am a true believer, and I, I still go. I love it. Oh, yay, and remember, you're never too old for postpartum. As I used oh. to tell you, we have one woman who used to come until her son was 11 years old, and the only reason I think she stopped is because she said she was starting to go through perimenopause. So- that's when you age out. I guess at that point, um, but I still think you can always come. All right, so yeah. let's get to it. So if you don't mind, just sharing your story, sharing your experience. Sure. So um, as far as starting from the beginning, yes. I tried, wanted to get pregnant around the time I was 30 because it just seemed like an optimal time. And my husband and I said, why not? Let's just see what happens. Well, two weeks later, I found out I was pregnant. So 30 was that magic number for me. And I had a lovely, lovely pregnancy. I don't think that you hear that a lot from women either. Yes, it can be uncomfortable. And yes, there is severe lack of sleep from that discomfort. However, I remained very active and I felt great the entire pregnancy Really up until I went into labor, until those contractions started, I felt wonderful. And things progressed appropriately. The baby's head size and the weight he was gaining, the weight I was gaining, everything really moved according to textbook. Even though in the textbook, there's a lot of asterisks by some (laughs) of the um, measurements and weights and other stats. Truly, my pregnancy was wonderful. And then um, I'll say my son right now is six, almost seven months old. So I had him in this past May. And there he is. (laughs) So here, we're playing right now. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about once the contractions started, um, what was going through your mind and how'd that feel? Yeah, so I actually went into labor on a Friday (laughs) But I started to have some contractions on Wednesday, and the contractions then were very sporadic, and so I knew it wasn't active labor. It was more of a precursor mm-hmm. for what was to come. So I had gone to yoga that Wednesday night when I was feeling a few of those contractions, and then coincidentally, I'm 
Friday, I had a doctor's appointment, just a regular checkup. Told the doctor about what I was feeling, and she offered or asked if I wanted to have my membrane stripped. Because I was already feeling these contractions, I said, yeah, let's do it. I felt like um, as natural as possible was the way that I wanted to do things. But because I felt like my body was starting on its own, I felt very comfortable with her doing that. This was at 3 o'clock on a Friday, and by 5 o'clock, I was walking through Central Park with my husband, trying to stay active as we know to do or as we've been taught to do, and I was doubled over. I could not keep walking through Central Park like a normal person. Um which, of course, in New York is not the strangest thing that anyone had seen in Central Park. It was no big deal. But uh, those contractions for me on that Friday, once my membranes were stripped, came on fast and furious. <laughs> so what did you do for some coping mechanisms? Well, the walking did actually help. I said that, you know, I couldn't stand up or I was doubled over. And... In, in addition to that, once I got home, I kept moving. I um, did a lot of hip circles. Even just standing around or standing upright, doing hip circles helped a ton. And additionally, a lot of um, like talking, planning, pacing, mantras. Like I like the repetition. Actually, while pushing um, and giving birth, one of the nurses said something to me about not needing the oxygen anymore. And I replied back to her, no, I like routine. And so I kept doing the same thing over and over again. And that's what I did once I got home with the rocking and the mantras and things like that to help cope. And it, it really did work for me. I'm a creature of habit. So I liked the routine. Well, it's, I mean, that's actually something, um, you've heard me in class talk about like Penny Simkin talks with the three R's, like the rhythm, the ritual, the relaxation, because <laughs> when we're in a rhythm, it's going to help in a ritual. It helps us feel relaxed. We know what to expect. Totally. That's exactly what it was. I knew what to expect and it was of my own creation <laughs> mm-hmm. and I knew what to expect. Did that evolve at all throughout your labor? Like one thing that worked at one point in your labor as things progressed didn't work anymore? You know, I think I was pretty lucky in that I like that ritual and routine, but I stuck with the same thing mm-hmm. throughout the throughout the entire labor. Even once I got to the hospital, at one point they were monitoring me and a nurse came back in the room and says, honey, you need to lay down in the bed. We're losing contact with your body. And I said... I have to keep swaying. I need to be on my feet because I'm not going to be able to get through this otherwise. And so really, I didn't have to change anything so much as go back to what was working. First of all, amazing that you stood up for yourself and not just like, oh, okay, I'm supposed to get in bed because it truly is so much more manageable when you can move because movement's going to invite you to breathe. You know, people don't usually find a rhythm without finding their breath. Yes, I agree with that a hundred percent. And so then how was the how was the transition from your home to the hospital? It was pretty smooth, but it was smooth because it was midnight on a Friday. <laughs> the hospital is within seven blocks, and I did give birth actually in the hospital, not in the birthing center, but the hospital itself. And we called an Uber. They picked us up. And we were in the hospital within 
minutes after making that phone call. Now, I will say that I made a phone call about seven hours, five or seven hours earlier to my doctor to say my contractions are about five minutes apart, lasting for a minute. What do you think? Should we go to the hospital? And she was wonderful. She said, you're welcome to, but we might send you home if you haven't progressed as far as we need you to. So I did labor at home that much longer, knowing that there is uh, a chance I could be sent home. And that's when we made the phone call at midnight to an Uber and ended up at the hospital. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. Yoga Birth Babies is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, yogis, and vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. Go to healthiq.com backslash YBB to support the show and see if you qualify. Were you shooting for the birth center? No, no, I wasn't, but it's just an option within the hospital. Which, who is your care provider? Because they don't always deliver there. So I, the doctor that delivered was Dr. Simonson, Mm -hmm. but I was um, actually with Dr. Shavastava. Okay. It's just within the practice, whichever doctor was on call was the one that would do the delivery. All right. So then you get to the hospital and you're monitored and then how do things, how does things progress? Well, when we get to the hospital, as it turns out, they didn't have any beds available. There were a few women ahead of me who weren't in labor. So for whatever reason, we're still in the waiting room. And then I was there in labor. The nurse who was lovely comes over to me. We kind of step aside more in a quiet corner. And she says, you're next. As soon as we get a bed, you're in there. So I then labored in the lobby for maybe about another 45 minutes to an hour and just paced the floor, did whatever I could as far as the mantras in my head were going. And I know I'm telling you all about having you and going to the hospital. Well, do you remember the mantras? Um, yeah, the mantra that I really like is one that I use when I'm running a long distance and is, I want to do this. I am doing this. This is not hard. I love and it. I had to just convince myself of it, whether I'm, you know, running a marathon or um, trying to navigate New York traffic. You know, <laughs> that's what I use. <laughs> I talk about mantras in class all the time. And first of all, the fact that you are an athlete, I think, helps because, in a sense, it's almost like the same training. You have to get in your head. 
You know, yeah, so there's the smart. physical part of surrendering as well as pushing through it. And there's the mental part of surrendering and pushing through it. You know, so yeah. you've heard me in class talk about like when I was riding in Tuscany, I had to like make up these mantras on the spot going up these mountains. And like one of them was like, at the top, I will go down. At the top, yeah. I will go down. And it's kind of like contractions. Yes, yes. And it actually fit in nicely then with that routine and ritual in breathing and repeating the mantras and just and just knowing that the time itself will pass mm-hmm. is is helpful in that sense. Or that's how you pass the time with those mantras and everything like that. So And how just, is your partner helping you during this? My husband was my partner, is my partner, <laughs> and he is as type A as I am, which was wonderful. (laughs) And I would say that I had a really big takeaway from PYC in surrendering to the moment or to the pain or actually to help. And so because my husband is so type A, I was able to comfortably surrender to the help. So he was able to check me in at the hospital. He's the one that was talking to the nurse. He's the one that ended up uh, passing along my birth plan. Things like that were a wonderful, wonderful help and support. And I feel that I am completely capable of any and every situation <laughs> and take control better than anyone, even if I don't know what I'm doing or what I'm talking about. So his support was wonderful, but being able to then surrender to the support is what made it so easy. That's hard. That's really hard, especially if you are the one that likes and wants to be in control to surrender to not only having your partner do something, but also kind of the unknown of what's going to happen with labor. Yes, I agree completely. The unknown was scary and it's only through PYC that I came up to the concept of surrendering to the fear or playing out the fears in my head so that I could surrender fully. Oh, that's amazing. And you also said something I'm glad about that you arrived and there wasn't a bed available because I think sometimes um, it's easy to picture like, oh, okay, labor starts, when labor at home, I'm going to arrive and then it's just going to unwind how, you know, especially if someone's planning on medication and that's their only tool. If you arrive assuming that's what's going to happen next and you still have 45 minutes of being in the lobby, I mean, not even in triage yet. So. Right. No, this was just in the lobby and that was that was difficult. <laughs> um, just to come to terms with it. It was difficult. It's not how you play it out in your head. But even with that little hiccup, it all worked out just as it should. So then after you got into triage and they monitored you and checked you and wanted to get in the bed and you said no. And yes. again, awesome. <laughs> yes. So then you got into a room and how did that unwind? Yeah, so I ended up finally getting into a room. It was very, very busy there that actually, while in triage, the doctor said she'd be back in about an hour to see how I progressed and then actually admit me. She didn't come back for three and a half hours. That's a long time in triage. It's a very long time in triage. And at this point, I think it was maybe four o'clock in the morning. So it felt even longer with <laughs> you're no tired. sleep. Yeah. Yeah. So again, we, yeah, and again, that's um, you know, someone's expecting pain medication that quickly. You've now been, we said, uh, three hours. That's almost four hours after arriving at the hospital. 
Correct. And my contractions are still lasting about a minute and about five minutes apart. So things have not settled down. There is no... Um, There's no settle down until the end. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So we end up getting admitted finally after being checked in a, an additional three and a half hours later. And at that point, I still am happy to be as natural as possible. I am still thinking that I am one tough customer and I can do this. Women have been doing this since the dawn of time and I am just as tough as any of those women. (laughs) So I preface all that by saying a few more hours go by and I have not progressed or dilated any further than at 4 (laughs) a.m. So it did get to the point where the doctor said, do you want Pitocin to help speed things up? And I thought, what a great idea. Of course. So I ended up getting Pitocin. Things are still progressing very slowly. But I did end up getting an epidural after maybe 13 or 14 hours in labor. I made the call and said, all right, I have gone as far as I can go. And my body still wasn't responding to the Pitocin that an epidural was in order. And I felt great afterwards. And then how long was, how long did you continue? And what did you do after the epidural? Did you get a chance to sleep? You know, I did sleep on and off. I would say, you know, short cat naps, but almost too excited to sleep too with um, everything now, I think everything progressing. But I just laid in bed because you are numb from the waist down. And I ended up not actually giving birth for another 24 hours. I didn't realize it was that long. All right. So what was happening? Were they rotating you from side to side? What What was going on? Yeah. So basically I was being checked quite often now with the Pitocin. Everyone thought that that would really kick in. And so I was in fact being rotated from side to side just to keep moving, just for comfort, just for blood flow, that sort of thing. And also for fetal position. Yes. And we monitored, you know, my son's heart the whole time and he was good. So there really was no sense of urgency because everyone was exactly where we should have been for that time. My husband was concerned about getting me food. I didn't want anything. I couldn't have anything. I could only do the liquid diet while there. And that, that in itself is difficult for 36 hours. Um, But really, it was just a matter of continuous checking. Every hour on the hour, I was getting checked out. And that's how it went until... They gave you a vaginal exam every hour? It it seemed really often. If it wasn't, it seemed like it. It could have been every two. It could have been every four. It felt very often, which I also think is why I didn't sleep much. Yeah, I would suspect maybe four. That's more... Okay. That's a little more than the norm. Yeah. All right. So what I do appreciate, though, is the fact that they, even being on Pitocin for so long, some care providers would say, all right, you've been here, you've been laboring for this long, we're going to call it failure to progress. It's great that they didn't. And I think part of it, looking back, is the fact that your son's heart rate sounded like it was never a problem. And I'm guessing your blood pressure was always fine. 
You know, it really was. The only time that I'll speak to having something that maybe was a cause for concern or sense of urgency was when I got the epidural, I believe my blood pressure dropped so significantly Mm -hmm. because I actually said, I'm feeling very nauseous. And the nurse says to me, do you think you're going to vomit? And my answer was, perhaps. (laughs) (laughs) So... That was an indication that something was off with my blood pressure. They check it right away, and they said, oh, don't worry. We'll get it down. They adjust whatever medication they needed to, and I replied by saying, I am so hot. They said, give it another minute, and sure enough, within a minute, everything was great. Mm -hmm. So as far as all the stats go with my heart rate, blood pressure, my sounds, it was really okay the entire time with that slight exception of getting the epidural. Yeah. The epidural tends to drop the blood pressure, which is why you have to have at least two bags of fluids prior to getting it. Yes. Yes. And I, I say that I knew that, but I wasn't necessarily thinking. Well, you shouldn't be. You're, you're not, into it, you know, no, that's not your job. Your job is to labor. So yeah. it sounds like and tell me of this, when you, did you feel, because you were making the decisions, how did that help you feel autonomy over your birth? Yeah, I felt great making the decisions. I went into my birth with a plan, but my plan was, I'm going to see how it goes. I did not make any black or white decisions before even entering the hospital, and I discussed that with my husband, just because I wanted any and all the information that I could get at that current time to then make the best choice for myself. And having that autonomy, I would say I was much more relaxed. I don't necessarily think that I was laid back, but I was able to relax because of the comfort of knowing I'm in control. This is up to me. And the doctors and nurses are there to help me Mm -hmm. as opposed to them being the facilitator of all the action. They were more my teammates in the action. That's fantastic. And what kind of work did you do? I know you came to class a lot and we involve a ton of childbirth ed. Did you ever take um, an official childbirth education class? I did. I took a class at the hospital where I delivered and I believe it was a maybe five week class with a couple hour classes each week. Mm -hmm. And then in addition to that, I did a breastfeeding workshop class at PYC and I did the infant safety and CPR class at PYC. So you really got your foundation in education so that you knew what was happening. So like when you asked, when they talked about the pit, you're like, I know it, I'm good with it. So that's important. Completely. And that also then helps with the autonomy. I was educated to the point where I felt that I could ask the right questions. That even is great that if I didn't know something, I was comfortable acknowledging that and saying, what are you talking about? How is that going to work? What's next? Mm -hmm. And that came from the classes. I love hearing that because it's so important that when women have the education and the confidence to take autonomy over their birth, even if the birth unfolds differently than they had imagined, they don't often feel feel traumatized because things weren't done to them. It was done with them. Exactly. So did it unwind differently? Like, did you, I'm guessing you probably didn't expect it to be this long. No, I did not expect it to be long at all. My mom had three kids in four years and each one of her births 
labor deliveries, I think the longest was six hours. <laughs> yeah, so you're expecting to, this one's going to pop right out. <laughs> I did. I thought I had it made. I thought it was going to be so nice as far as um, the experience goes. And I was in the hospital before actually having my baby for 36 hours, let alone the few hours of laboring at home and maybe even the contractions that started two days prior. Mm -hmm. So that was a big, big surprise. I'm very happy that my doctor did not call it and say that they need to step in and intervene with a C-section or anything else because I really felt capable. I felt that my body was able to do this. And I'm happy that I was able to deliver Teddy, but the timing of it, I would have never guessed to be so long. And tell me a little bit about the pushing. Were you able to be in what position you wanted or was it, how did that go? Yeah, I was. I, so I was on my back, pretty traditional. And, um, luckily my mom was able to make it in for the birth. She's out of state, but I was in labor for so long. She could have driven here and back a couple times and <laughs> made it without a fuss. So my mom was on one side holding my leg back and a doctor was actually on the other side or nurse rather holding a leg back. And my husband, meanwhile, was standing at the head of the bed, supporting almost my shoulder blades so that I could get a better position to push, almost mm -hmm. like a crunch position is what I can describe it as. And I ended up pushing for about an hour and a half, which from my understanding is average to long. It's pretty but, good for first time mom. I mean, I'd say average. Yeah. Okay. But I will say. It does not feel like it. It felt like I pushed for 10 minutes. It, you are so in the moment. You are so jazzed with what you are about to do for what you have been waiting for that someone could have told me I pushed for two minutes and I would have believed them. That's amazing. And then he came out and it's beautiful. Yes, yes. He came out. The communication, I will say, while pushing was imperative that I didn't guess come into play uh, prior to pushing. And as I'm pushing specifically, the umbilical cord was wrapped around my son's neck. Well, I didn't know this. And my doctor says to me, I'm going to tell you to push. When I tell you to stop, you need to stop immediately. I said, okay, just trusting her, not knowing the situation. And it only was after the fact that my mom told me the cord was around his neck. That's what was going on in that instance. But you listened beautifully. Yeah. And I just wouldn't have guessed, though, that communication would come into play the way that it did. I thought it was all physical. I thought it was all an act of cheerleading by everyone else in the room. And that was not the case, but it worked out wonderfully. Well, I'm glad that you also said about the nuchal cord when the cord's wrapped around the neck, um, because I know it's a fear of a lot of women. And just to give a little light to the situation, about a third of babies are born with that. With oh, the cord. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Actually, my daughter was too, and they just kind of somersaulted her out. Um, so it's, it is normal. And I know a lot of people are like, oh no, the cord around the neck. So I'm glad that that came up and that it was a seamless situation that your doctor yeah. saw it 
you know, reconcile the situation. Sometimes it's tighter where they might have to cut the cord once the head is out, but I'm glad for, you know, for Teddy, it was a pretty easy situation. That's what they're trained for. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt great about it afterwards and and thinking back on it, it didn't phase me at all. Oh, and there he is. Hi, little guy. So kind of switching to the, the, um, the after part. So after he's born, he's on your chest and then how did everything unwind from there? Well, what was so, so nice was that uh, he was immediately put up on my chest, which was nice. And at this time, my mom and my husband are gushing and saying, he's beautiful. He's perfect. And I'm crying. And I first say, he's too high. I can't see him. And he was, he was right under my chin. So uh, I, I had no clue what this little creature on me looked like. So what was really nice was he was on my chest at first immediately. And then um, they took him within the room and did all of his measurements and things. We have some heart defects within the family. And so Teddy was checked out immediately for a heart murmur, the pediatrician that would have done that was in the room for delivery too, just to be safe. And he checked out absolutely perfectly. And while he's getting, yeah, we hear you. And while he's getting checked out is when the doctor really delivered my placenta. I don't even remember that at all. Well, the good thing about that is it's squishy. So it comes out a little easier than a baby. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I don't even remember that. Uh, And then how did postpartum go? You know, it really was, was nice. It was good. It was peaceful. I was really stiff afterwards. And that was something that I wasn't used to or that I didn't expect. I knew that I would be working hard, Mm -hmm. but I was significantly stiff and sore afterwards. And so while in the recovery room, I, at one point, was on all fours, again, doing some hip circles, just to get my body in the inverse position than how I had been laying for Uh going on two days now. Yeah, I mean, you were in bed for a while. I was. Yeah, you're in your mover. Yeah, exactly. And so recovery was very peaceful, but I found myself wanting to do a little more Mm -hmm. than maybe would be prescribed at one point a nurse came and she goes oh you're already in your pajamas and I thought well yeah I'm not gonna stay in that ugly hospital gown all day lady (laughs) so so it was it's tough because you go through this physical ordeal but really the the biggest complaint I have about recovery is just in regards to stiffness Mm -hmm. and wanting to be able to be more active than you're physically able to. Yeah, I mean, birth is a lot of work. I think I actually was surprised how sore I felt, not like in my pelvic floor from birthing a baby, but muscularly. I was like, wow, I worked out. Like my arms were, you know, from like pulling and pushing. It was... I felt like I got a good workout. And that actually, and I think you could appreciate this being an exerciser. I'm like, okay, that's going to last me a few days. I'm going to go with that. Yes, yes, I did. I felt, oh my goodness, you're okay, little guy. I did feel very much like I had one of the toughest workouts 
of my life. I know some people are going to be rolling their eyes to that, but being an exerciser, (laughs) there was something that was um, slightly refreshing (laughs) appealing about that. Oh yeah. I could identify with the pain. I just didn't expect it. Yeah. So now as a mother, I'm fast forwarding a little bit. What was the best piece of a mom advice you wish someone had told you before birth that you didn't get? Now that you're a little seasoned in this, is there something you're like, wow, I really wish someone had told this to me? In regards to actually giving birth. Or anything. (laughs) I Well, I was going to say, I wish that someone actually said to me, you're in control. I wish that someone said, your attitude is an okay one to have. I feel like it maybe it maybe is seen or you think of going through labor and delivery as, again, all these people facilitating versus you being in control, you calling the shots. And so I wish that I knew that a little better, mm-hmm. even though it's my attitude to begin with. I wish that I knew more of that. And then as far as afterwards, the best advice that I wish I had was to give it time. I had a (laughs) difficult time with my son as a newborn that I wish someone said to me, wait till he's eight weeks old. He's going to smile at you. He's going to think you are the funniest person in the world when he's eight weeks old. And I felt like I was putting in so much time and so much hard work for this infant, this, you know, codependent creature and not getting anything in return. And that's really hard to come to terms with or to rationalize. Yeah, there is a turning point, like between eight and 12 weeks where you're like, oh, thank you for responding to me. I'm not just caring for a little meatloaf. Exactly. Exactly. So I just wanted that meatloaf to smile. And had I known that it would happen at that eight or nine week mark, I think my mentality would have been much different. It would have been a matter of patience versus the wonder and the questioning and thinking that it's so bizarre, even though it's totally normal. Yeah, I think that those first few weeks, and we try to talk about it a lot at the studio on our podcast, they're hard. They're really yes. hard. Yes, they they are. And I think that within the PYC community, people understand and they get it and they even reach out to each other moms. I know texting with girlfriends that I made at PYC that were due around the same time that I was happened on the regular but then there's the rest of the world and it's just so different. So I wish that someone said to me after I delivered, give it eight weeks, honey, and it's going to be awesome. Now on the other side, was there a piece of advice that you could have done without? Oh, that's interesting. I don't know if there's anything that I would have done without because I definitely like to have any and all the information that's available to then decipher what's best for me. Mm -hmm. And so in the beginning when we started talking, I was saying that there were so many horror stories that I could have done with a few less of those. (laughs) But the information is still nice to have. Yeah. 
Oh, well, I really appreciate you and Teddy spending some time with me before you go off and see Santa. <laughs> yes. Yep, we got a date with the big guy today. Are you going down to Macy's? Where are you going? Yeah, that's where we're going. We're that's going to Macy's. <laughs> Oh, well, perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. And I love that it it was something you felt good about and that you can share because those that are only hearing the horror stories can listen to this and maybe think of you during labor and think of, I got to find my ritual. I got to find my mantra. I know I can do it and I am doing it. So it, it was really such a pleasure to speak with you, Bridget. Thank you. I actually do just want to add one. Oh, sure. Yes, please. That while I talk about this whole long experience and how lovely it was, there was also a lot of humor involved. And that was something that no one speaks to because it is a, it's something that happens every day. And it's something that's biological and it's scientific and it takes a lot of physicality and, um, <laughs> and mental strength. And you know what? There were so many moments that were funny. There were so many moments that I remember as making me smile or being um, a humorous situation in a really tough time that I don't want um, any enjoyment to be lost within the whole hullabaloo. Yeah. of what is labor and delivery. Well, I think that also has to speak about just kind of your attitude that you're in general, it seems it's, in, you know, as type A intense as you can be, you also find humor in things. And that's a, a beautiful quality. Yeah. <laughs> Even like right now in doing a podcast and having one last thing to say, but a kind <laughs> baby to overshadow that. No worries. He is just delightful. So I hope to see you in class next week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tomorrow for sure tomorrow perfect i'll see you then well thank you so much and go enjoy santa thank you (laughs) bye this has been an episode of yoga birth babies produced by prenatal yoga center you can catch us on facebook twitter instagram and periscope i'm deb flaschenberg thanks for listening for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.